Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which looks back at the unloved movies of the past to see if they are in fact the cinematic equivalent of the avoid-at-all-cost backwater dive bars or the super-exclusive hip-happening night spots. My name is James and I am joined by Simon. Hey, that was good. Filling in for Rob this week, James. That was good. That was a good intro. Oh, is that all right? I felt a bit partridge. (laughs) Hey, the more partridge, the better. I know, yeah. (laughs) I don't talk that way. Right. (laughs) I mean, we should probably address the the shovel-faced elephant in the room, shouldn't we? (laughs) He's not here. He can't defend himself. Um, Yeah, so uh, for those of you who are tuning in expecting a Bigfoot bonanza, on this episode as we trailed at the end of our last episode uh rob is away on holiday with his family and he did offer to record it in, in a van, van again <laughs> which he has done on previous episodes which is it's all fun and games that in the summer when it's quite warm outside but in the middle of a british autumn i don't think it would have been conducive to yeah. sound quality or to rob's overall health so the bigfoot bonanza has been put on hold and will be on our next episode yes it's a bit harsh of us to uh, pry Rob away from quality time with his family away from work because he's been well busy with his books and stuff recently. So it's just like, yeah, enjoy it, Rob. Enjoy your holiday. Bloody hell. Put the microphone down. <laughs> and in fairness, you know, we're the heroes of this story. We're the cool guys. You take a week off, Rob. That's fine. We'll, we'll hold the fort. We can say what you want. He's not here. <laughs> Uh, we will miss you, Rob. Um, yes. But yeah, the film this week, we've done uh, a listener request because we couldn't do the Bigfoot movie without Rob, could we? That no, would just be ridiculous. Uh, so we stuck it out on Twitter for a listener poll and we'll get to that uh, film shortly, I guess. Yeah, and um, given that um, Rob isn't here in person, I feel that this film embodies his ethos, so he's very much <laughs> here in spirit. Yes. But as you say, we will get to it we in will due get course. To it. But, uh, before we get to the, the, the film we question, though, uh, yeah, what have we been watching this week? Oh, so uh, I've watched some good stuff this week. Uh, obviously, we just at the by the time this comes out, we'll be uh, past Halloween, but we're at the back end of spooky season. So I've seen a few horror films I hadn't seen before. Suspiria by uh, Dario Argento, which is one of the most mental movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's really, really good, but very campy by today's standards and not at all scary have you seen the new one no no i've got it on my list it's got some like real mixed reviews so i'm just like i don't know whether to go for it or not but yeah i need to watch that i'm gonna look at it because the acting in this original one is not the best (laughs) let's say so i think it might be better on that uh, on that score but whether it can match the intensity and craziness of the original remains to be seen so I'm, i'll look forward to looking into that uh, in the not too distant future but two films that i did want to shout out both 2020 releases and both oddly uh father daughter stories so the first one that i wanted to shout out was the new borat film which i thoroughly enjoyed uh, you know where you're uh, what you're getting with sasha baron cohen as this character and he doesn't disappoint but the real revelation here is the actress who plays his daughter, uh, Maria Bakalova. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She's absolutely fearless. And you may have seen her in a viral clip featuring Rudy Giuliani that's doing the rounds at the moment. Oh, yeah. Where well, he's tucking his shirt into his pants. <laughs> yeah. She, she's amazing. Because, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen is a bit of a comic genius, isn't he? And his whole shtick is how far he can push characters and improv on the spot and how outrageous he is. But she matches him. She's just... Because 
obviously he has to lean on her quite heavily because people know who Borat is mm. these days. So you have a scenario where Sasha Baron Cohen is playing Borat, but he's in disguise as somebody else. So it's like inception layers of character, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. And the film itself is uh, cringe-inducing, insightful, and very, very funny. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. It's good to know it's good, though, because like, sequels are always a bit hit and miss, aren't they? So, Well, it's not really a sequel, is it, but like a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I have heard good things about that. I definitely need to. It was like a surprise drop on Amazon, wasn't it? It just dropped it was, on the yeah. day of a debate or something, didn't it? And it was like, what? where's this come from? Yeah, I think it's clearly got one eye on the political situation in, in America. I think he's trying to change the minds of some people i don't know how successful it is in that respect but i as a comedy movie yeah i found it very funny i don't think a trump supporter is going to watch this and go oh my god what have i been doing with my life boris says i shouldn't <laughs> vote for him but nonetheless you know he's skewering the right people in my yeah. opinion and, well that's uh, what he's good at isn't he like what well, with all his characters he like exposes prejudices doesn't he like yeah yeah that, that's how he does it by embarrassing himself he exposes other people and, and how shitty they are as characters yeah, I need to check that out. That's really good. Yeah, really good on uh, Amazon Prime Video for those of you who have that subscription. And another one that's just dropped onto uh, another subscription service. So this is On The Rocks uh, on Apple TV+. Plus. So this is a light, breezy and entertaining father-daughter comedy from Sofia Coppola. Uh, it may not be her most substantial offering as a director, but in Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, she has an incredibly likable central duo you just want to spend time with and it was a lovely way to spend 90 minutes i really really enjoyed it great and it's just so beautifully shot it just looks great i've heard a lot i've read a lot of snark directed towards it um sniffy reviews about it but um yeah my other half went to see it at the cinema actually yeah. last week and she she liked it she really liked it rashida jones is ace have we watched uh i love you man not long ago, oh yeah and she's in that and, um, <laughs> Yeah, Rashida Jones is wicked. She's well good. She plays uh, frustration, but understanding very well because Bill Murray's on full, infuriating, but unbelievably endearing form. It doesn't seem like it's too, apart from the uh, womanizing that his character is uh, clearly has in his background, it doesn't seem too far away from Bill Murray's real life persona in terms of <laughs> some of the urban myths you've heard about Bill Murray. But he's on great form. They both are, and they make a really great duo on screen. Awesome. I will definitely have to check that out. What about yourself? Well, I, I, last the, on the last episode, I spoke about my Halloween horror list, and that has just completely fell by the wayside because, <laughs> oh my God, a horror movie a day, it just got well too much for me, and I, just, I can't I can't do this anymore. I just, like, couldn't sleep anymore for fear of all the boogeymen <laughs> just rolling around. So we watched Shaun of the Dead, and we stopped there. We were like, right, we'll end it on a light-hearted one. So we watched Shaun of the Dead. Which is just great. Shaun of the Dead is just... You can watch oh, that just over and over and just never gets old. The bit where he walks up the tiny slide is just... Yeah. Kills me One of the time. great sight gags, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's really good. It's my favourite of them three, actually, of the Cornetto trilogy. It's one of those where I watch that and go, yeah, this is my favourite. And then I watch Hot Fuzz and go, no, that's my favourite. Yeah, I mean, they're both excellent. They're both so, so good. You can't really lose, apart from, uh, as Rob has told us on many occasions, Andy Parker. Andy Rob's Parker does dad, not like... Uh... <laughs> he will not tolerate hot fuzz. <laughs> he does not sanction that buffoonery. No. <laughs> yeah, so, so like to dilute all that scariness, um, I watched uh, a couple of period pieces to cleanse the palate, just go to the oh, opposite right. end of the spectrum. <laughs> so, uh, First one was um, 
the personal history of David Copperfield, which landed on Amazon Prime last week, um, from Armando Iannucci. It's just lovely. Yeah. It's just such a delightfully charming movie filled with great humour, loads of brilliant performances, no less from Dev Patel, who's just who's just great, but all the supporting characters are, are absolutely amazing in it. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And also I watched uh, Ben Wheatley's latest one, which was on Netflix this week, uh, Rebecca. It's getting a bit of a slam in that, isn't it, as it well is. at the moment? Yeah, I seem to enjoy it a hell of a lot more than the general consensus because, yeah, as you say, it's been getting a bit of a kick in. But I'm putting it down to like the fact I had no prior knowledge of any of the previous incarnations of it. So I, I haven't read the book and I haven't seen Hitchcock's original 1940s adaptation of it. And I just think that helped with me enjoying this for, for what it was and on its own merits because this story was a was brand new to me. Um, and yeah, I think that's why I helped me enjoy it because I think if you're going in and you know what's going to happen and you've always got that bar of comparison yeah. straight away, there's always, yeah, it's kind of hard to watch a film on its and, and judge it on its own merits and, and what it does really well. I just love the aesthetic of everything. It just looks amazing. Like yeah, the the opening scenes are in Monaco and it's just absolutely beautiful and then then you go to this English coast in this big mansion and everything's just really lush and lovely. And then you've got like some amazing costume design and a really good cast I think. There's been a bit of people not really liking the chemistry between Army Hammer and Lily James, but I I was really on board with it all and then Clint Mansell is does is on scoring duties. He does a great job as always. Um, I just loved it. I, all the ingredients for a really great, creepy, old timey mystery drama that for me invoked all these tropes of like a really classic gothic ghost story, but without any ghosts. It's like it's just like right. it's all set in reality. I really liked it. Having not seen the film, I think uh, the previous film helped, or reading the book helped. I, I really liked it. Oh, it was, oh, it was great. I like Ben Wheatley as well. He's very yeah. He he's a very uh, what's the word polarizing director. I think but <laughs> I really like his stuff. Um, yeah. And then he just announced that he's directing the Meg too. I know. <laughs> this My head nearly fell off when I heard this. <laughs> How do you go from if you look at his filmography right and you go you go through it right Sightseers and Kill List and uh, field in England, and then obviously this is a higher profile, but then he's had the J.G. Ballard uh, High Rise. Was it High Rise? High Rise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, who do we need for the Meg 2? We've just had the lovely John Turtletarb <laughs> direct the first one. <laughs> who do we need? Let's get that Let's get that independent filmmaker from Britain to do it. I mean, I'm all for it, yeah. but let's... Uh, I'm not sure how they've created that equation, but yeah, I'm in regardless. <laughs> Sequels, because you're doing the second Tomb Raider movie as well, and it's just, all right, go for it, Ben. Get on these random, random yeah, yeah. big budget movies. Go for it. Get that money. <laughs> yeah, make some money. <laughs> Why not? Well, I think that's an element, and you know, it is a job at the end of the day. Yeah. You, you do still need to earn a living. I'm sure he's got a family as well. But at the same time, I think once a lot of independent filmmakers have sort of told all their and their ideas get bigger you know they get they they feel like they get more proficient as filmmakers and the canvas gets bigger and then as a result the budgets rise but yeah i can't wait to see his take on big studio sequels and jason statham <laughs> in one of his movies yeah. <laughs> can't wait cool blimey look at the meg <laughs> so imagine statham in a field in england or something <laughs> just 
Brilliant. That film is bonkers. Yeah. I remember seeing that in the cinema. I, I just stayed in my seat until everyone left because I was just like, huh? Like, what have I just watched? Yeah, I've seen it twice. I couldn't tell you anything that happened in that film at all. I don't understand it. off its head. He's great. He's, he's certainly interested, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Wicked. So, yes, this week's movie. Um, I think it was suggested by uh, the Papster on Twitter. He's, he, he sent us a message ages ago putting it on and... What what films was it up against? We had so we had three others that he went up against. So we had uh, the Beast of War, which is a nineteen eighty eight war movie directed by Kevin Reynolds, and that only came to our attention because our listener Nick emailed in claiming it to be one of the ten best American movies of the nineteen eighties. So our interest was piqued. So we thought, right, we'll put it up there. Obviously it's not a very well known film. I've so never it, heard of it. it. Do great in there, but I'm definitely going to check it out on the basis of Nick's brilliant email that came in. Because yeah. it sounds very, very good. It just sounds like it got buried by a studio or didn't yeah. get a proper release as a result. But um yeah, it's directed by Prince of Thieves and Water Worlds, Kevin Reynolds. So I'm very interested to see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Black Rain was the other one. The yes, Michael Douglas, Ridley Scott. Uh, it's set in Japan, isn't it? About um, a it cop is. in Japan and tackling the yakuza. Which my mate Phil, I used to work with, recommended that one, and he kept saying, "You've got to do Black Rain. You've got to do Black Rain." And I was like, "Yeah, I yeah. I've never heard of it." And then I didn't even know Ridley Scott directed it. I saw, I, <laughs> I saw a poster for it. I think I sent. Um, Sent you the poster for it in the week, James. Yeah, I was like, "How is how have I never seen this movie? It looks amazing. It's Ridley. It's Scott. the fittest poster I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it was just beautiful, beautiful piece of uh, of promotional material. Yeah, all this like neon thing, like twenty years before it was in vogue. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it just so I definitely got to watch that in my spare time as well, and and you know pretend, potentially bring that myself in the future, but. That was the second one. What was the third one it was up against? The third one was the one that we were both secretly pulling against that almost won, uh, and that was Willow. Willow! Willow! Matt Mardigan! <laughs> yeah, I was not looking forward to the prospect of having to watch Willow, so I was uh, I was glad that it didn't triumph in the end, but that was uh, recommended by our long-time listener, uh, listener uh, Jamie Russell. Yes. Um, he put that one forward, and uh, Jamie is always uh, very good at putting um, some good requests. Yeah. Yeah. into the podcast and we very much appreciate it we're just glad it didn't win <laughs> yeah so thanks for uh putting the films forward and voting in the poll as well um yeah thanks very much for getting involved um yeah willow topical as well because it's just been given why it's been given a sequel series i have no idea <laughs> i want to know the... everything about the expanded universe of willow, <laughs> willow. and obviously like, val kilmer's not going to be in it is he what's the point um oh yeah i'm so baffled by uh by why out of all the films all the fantasy movies from the 80s and 90s they decided to reboot willow <laughs> oh god amazing um but the film what won out was oh james do you want to do you want to intro this bad boy because oh my god i'll do my best in tonight's film an insanely well-groomed man and his incredible hair are tasked with taming a dirty and no doubt smelly bar, much to the chagrin of some local undesirables. Starring Patrick Swayze, the film is 1989's Roadhouse. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 
Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? Talk, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my time. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> you got your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. So, James, Roadhouse, What what's your history with Roadhouse, if you have any at all? Yeah, I have seen it before, but it was as a prebubescent boy. Um, and basically, I was around at a friend's house, and he had the video on cassette, and he said, do you want to watch this? There's loads of boobs in it, and a guy gets his throat ripped out. And I was like, yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Why aren't we watching that right now? Why are you still talking? Put it in the machine. And he was true to his word. That is a lot of the content of this movie. <laughs> there is an obscene amount of uh, boobs in this movie. It's just outrageous. I mean, you can tell when it was made. <laughs> Yeah. Certainly of an era. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I think like literally my only history with this movie. I'd obviously heard about it, but I'd never seen it. But the only my only history with this movie is that episode of Family Guy where Peter just decides to solve all his problems by kicking people, <laughs> and then when he does it, he just goes Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> literally, my history with this film. No idea. Um, you know, never seen it. And yeah, this was a first watch for me. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Boy, am I glad it won this poll. <laughs> it's very much in our wheelhouse, I would I would uh, uh, hazard a guess. In our roadhouse. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's in the poll. It obviously qualifies, but how does it qualify? Budget and box office, how did it do? Yeah, so the film made $30 million worldwide off a $15 million budget. Uh, not a flop, but hardly a runaway success and was probably seen as a bit of a disappointing return given how high uh, Swayze's profile was following Dirty Dancing. This was after Dirty Dancing? It was, yeah. Oh yeah. So God. Dirty Dancing is 87, <laughs> I believe. And the thing is they really wanted to cash in on the uh, the fact that Patrick Swayze had been in Dirty Dancing and he was the star of this movie because the original tagline was the dancing's over, now it gets dirty. 
Are you allowed to do that? Like rip off another film on your tagline? I'm pretty sure Team Wolf did it after uh, Back to the Future came out with Michael J. Fox. It's like, I can't remember the exact tagline, but it's something like, he's back from the future and now he's a wolf or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but like it was no something shame. ridiculous like Advertising that. Advertising yeah. those films in those days, absolutely no shame. It's like, how can we piggyback on this runaway success from... But they... they... <sighs> This is the film he did after Dirty Dancing. Well, I don't know if it's the one directly after Dirty Dancing, but it's a different market, isn't it? <laughs> it's a different he's cashing market. his chips in, isn't he? You know, he's going to go and be an action hero now. Because <laughs> obviously, Dirty Dancing is like one of the biggest sort of. I'm going to say, like a it's a girly movie. Like the ladies love Dirty Dancing. Yeah, and then this is a film not for ladies. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. It seems like a conscious decision to move away from uh, that romantic lead. But then he'd go back to that because we'll get into this in the film. He he, he knackered his knee making this one. So um, he went and did Ghost yes, after this yeah. film and went back into a romantic lead and then obviously followed Ghost up with one of the greatest action films ever made, Point Break. Oh, so, oh yeah. Oh, of course. Well, <laughs> yeah, because that... Cause that uh... Because uh, Ghost was a massive success as well, wasn't it? It was a huge like, hit. Let's yeah. be honest. He it was because he was a bloody pinup. Everyone absolutely loved him. What a sexy man! It was just like that. oh, it's incredible. He was a very very handsome dude. Yeah, and that like you know that's why those films were insanely popular. Really, absolutely. But yeah, that because he did. He, he was supposed to do Tango and Cash, wasn't he? And he turned that down. He was. Who was he supposed to be? Ray Tango or or Cash? Cash it- or Tango? He was supposed to be Gabriel Cash. I assume it was the hair. It was between yes, him and Kurt yeah, Russell yeah, with the hair. Kurt Russell. Well, they're the only two who could have that hairdo and such gorgeous locks in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They went to Russell afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it wasn't a great success at the box office. How did it fare critically, Simon? Um, yeah, well, this is where it easily qualifies. It, did, it, it didn't do well on release uh, critically. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 39%. Um, Good swing on the audience, so 66 on the audience. So it's obviously like better received. It's been better received by audiences over time. Metacritic, similar story, 36, uh, and then 6.9 on the audience. Letterbox is a good 3.3. Pretty solid, I think, on Letterbox. I think it's developed a real cult following this. I think it's a it film has. that benefited from VHS and cable TV back in the 90s, and it's really. And prepubescent boys watching it when they shouldn't, when they weren't yes. old enough to do so. <laughs> it's got all the hallmarks of uh, teenage boys um, watching a film they shouldn't be watching um, and enjoying it greatly. Uh, loads of fighting. Um, yeah. Sorry to say, uh, Nick and Ladies. Uh, <laughs> disgusting. I'm sorry, Mum. That is disgusting. Um, and yeah, that, you could definitely tell there are some. Brilliant reviews on Letterboxd. Uh, <laughs> so, so good. Um, this was from Grooveman, who's got quite a few reviews of Roadhouse on, on the thing. But this, uh, this, he gave it five stars and said, it should be a guilty pleasure, yet I have no guilt in loving this film. It also has hilariously bad lines like, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> Uh, the band is also great. Uh, the perfect midnight movie. Um, and then this one by Matt Singer, who gave it four stars, and says, I think Rob will appreciate this one. Uh, the reason I went to NYU, and also the reason I dress in khaki slacks at every social occasion. 
<laughs> and also the reason I think monster trucks are the ideal vehicle for everyday driving. <laughs> and also the reason I carry my medical records on me all the time. Brilliant. So good. <laughs> it's just, yeah, there's a lot of reviews in that vein on Letterboxd, which has obviously brought it up to this pretty good score, I think, on, on Letterboxd. Um, it's probably one of the higher rated movies we've ever done in terms of the Letterboxd ratio. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> There were plenty of negative reviews. Um, don't want to really touch on those. But amazingly, uh, Empire gave it four stars. Brilliant. <laughs> said, um, I, I assume this was like in a retrospect one, um, yeah. maybe like on DVD or something. But it was uh, Tom Tunney in Empire who gave it four stars and said, an immensely enjoyable slice of romanticized fisticuffs. This is a Western in every respect except the Stetsons and Six Guns. Yeah, four stars. He he was he was well into it. Yeah. Uh, sadly, the sheriff didn't review it, so we can't we can't get the sheriff in. But um, our sort sort of second go to, Ebert was quite nice on it. I think so. I think he yeah. gave it um, three. I think or maybe two and a half. Maybe two half three out of his usual four, and said, Roadhouse exists right on the edge between the good bad movie and the merely bad movie. <laughs> I hesitate to recommend it because so much depends on the ironic vision of the viewer. This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it is not a boring one either. I think that's a very fair take from yeah, Rog. I, I think, think so. he's caught the uh, the mood quite well there. Yeah, if you're gonna watch it with that mindset, you got yeah. So yeah, Ebes is Ebes is onto something there. Um, so yeah, that was sort of like how it was kicking around critical. So that's where it safely qualifies because at the time it did not. Uh, do too well and especially people going into this expecting like a follow up like Swayze's next movie after Dirty Dancing yeah the, I don't think the crowds of uh, screaming girls are going to enjoy this one as much no, no. apart from the scenes he's shirtless in which is 80% of the movie I guess. and his bird <laughs> oh but yeah, that's the... Uh... Wonderful. I mean, shall we get into the film itself? Let's have a little chat about the behind the scenes people working on this. I mean, I was completely taken in straight away by the name of the director. I assume he got this gig based solely on his name. Yes. Rowdy Harrington. <laughs> I mean, if you, Joel Silver's looking at that, it's like, right, well, Bosch, that's the He's man in. for the job, isn't it? He's in. Yeah, there we go. Does exactly what it says on the tin. Rowdy. Um, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, this is produced by Joel Silver, who obviously produced The Matrix and Die Hard. Amazingly, shot by Dean Cundy. Yeah, who... he's, he pops up a lot on the, a lot of the films we cover, doesn't he? he he's does, done yeah. a lot of stuff, what we what we talk about. And yeah, the credits were on at the start. Cinematography, Dean Cundy. I was like, bloody hell, did, did this guy ever take a day off? <laughs> he just no. does everything. <laughs> I just think this is amazing. Like He'd just been nominated for an Oscar for his work on uh, Roger Rabbit. And he was in between Roger Rabbit and going to do Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. And he just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just do Roadhouse. Like, what a random choice for your career having worked for was Maybe he was just like, I just need to work with another director other than John Carpenter and Robert Zemeckis because <laughs> he shot um, Big Trouble in Little China as well. And then obviously would go on and shoot Jurassic Park. And I think it's got that real vibe to it. It does look like an insanely violent Amblin film. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it, it kind of looks like um, Hard Target, I think, because it's that sort of yeah. similar sort of vibe, isn't it? And and I think in that Empire review sort of sums it up quite well. Like, it's a western, isn't it? But instead of guns, it's just 
roundhouse kicks. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of knives. There's a lot of knives in it. There yeah, yeah. So many knives. A guy with a knife in his boot, like walking around with a knife in his boot. I mean, that seemed to be part of the outfit when you went out to uh, one of these rough bars in the 80s. <laughs> Pomade hair, wallet, keys, flick knife. <laughs> Sleeveless denim shirts. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Rob's not here, so we do have to touch on the fashion in this movie is absolutely incredible. Oh, God. The sartorial elegance of Dalton, pay, played by Patrick Swayze. I mean, when the, fi- the we may as well get into the movie itself. So the yeah. film opens with a certain tone. I think it opens on uh, a woman's derriere to begin with and follows her through the car park into a bar. Yes, it's it's a proper gratuitous legs and R shot. Yeah. When the door when the car door opened, I was like, oh, is this Swayze? And then I was like, oh, he's got nice legs. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> hang on. And uh, no, it's just a. a, a Disgrace, disgraceful titillation straight away. And you're like, All right, we know what we know, we know what year we're in. <laughs> it's, it's a real tone setter. It really is. <laughs> when they started, um, so I watched this film before the triv- looking at the trivia on the IMDb because it, it's always good to like you get a good sense of the behind the scenes stuff when you look at the trivia on IMDb. Yeah, but when it started, the music kicked off in this bar. There was a band playing in this bar. Um, and it all felt very Dust Till Dawn for me. It did, yeah. Like, oh, I was like, oh, it sounds like Dust Till Dawn. And then I, I saw on the, the, the trivia that the band playing in this opening sequence are called Cruzados. Yeah. And um, after that band split up, the lead singer formed another band, which is the band that played in the Titty Twister from Dust Till Dawn. So that's why... The, and I was like, I was, I was like, yes, I yeah. made a connection from my ears. <laughs> I didn't cheat. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. We're straight in with who sways is, isn't it? We're like, we're, yeah, yeah. It's a busy bar. There's loads of eighties perms. Yeah, an insane amount of cleavage at this point. You're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see, we finally see Swayze with his gorgeous mullet. I mean, the mullet is introduced first, isn't it? Before him, yes, like the is. mullet is the, is really the main character in this movie. Yes, I mean, it should have got top billing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it all kicks off in the bar, like. Again, we, another woman get, getting punted across a room. <laughs> it always comes in like buses, doesn't it? We talk about one thing. And then, you know. I know. So, yeah, this poor woman gets punted across the room by some dude. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Swayze lays down the law. Who's He's like yeah. a bouncer, isn't he? Um, he's like the head bouncer. He's the cooler, isn't he? So he's like the head bouncer. He's very much the, the head chef to the sous chefs who yeah. are the, just the doorman. Not necessarily the muscle, but yeah. as we will quick, because it takes a while before we find out how handy he is in a fight. Yeah. But he's not necessarily the muscle. And then, yeah, a guy like, with a knife, because there's about 8 million <laughs> knives in there. And then he kick, he kicks out these dudes and, he, you know, he, he resists the challenge to fight him in a duel outside, doesn't he? And then he goes, yeah. he goes in. And then we're, uh, there's this guy following him around, isn't he, in the background, like skulking around the background. Tillman, yes. Who comes to... Offer him a job. Yeah. Because he's like a nomad, isn't he, um, Dalton? He's, he, he travels around. He does, he's not really... He doesn't really have a home. He just, like, mooches about, you know, different sort of backwater towns. Yeah. He's like a world-famous bouncer. Yeah. Basically. As if that's a thing, you know. <laughs> and, like, this guy Tillman has, has heard of his bouncing prowess and wants him to come and sort out his bar known as the Double Deuce, which I thought he was taking the piss with because that's what I call a large poo, generally. 
Um, and yeah, and then he, t- he gives him his rate as to how much he charges uh, for his services as a head cooler yeah. at a bar. And uh, it's great work if you can get it. $5,000 up front, $500 a night, plus medical expenses. Plus medical expenses. I miss that bit. That's that's the key, really. Because yeah, because he America, really rinses that throughout the yeah, course he does. of this <laughs> We all know that it costs an, cost an absolute bomb, doesn't it, to get a medical to get medical <laughs> in America. Um but yeah, it's. Uh, I really like how like Swayze introduces himself with it. He's really putting on this gruff demeanor, isn't he? Because obviously he is, coming yeah. off the back of Dirty Dancing, it's like right. I need to proper reinventing myself here, lads. Convince people that I'm hard. Yeah. Because everyone makes a comment that um, he's too small, don't they? So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So he's not the biggest dude, but um, he can roundhouse kick motherfuckers like nobody's business. Absolutely. Uh, do you know how Empire had a take on this that it's actually a western? Mm. I have a take on this. It's quite hot. Simon Go for it. Give me your hot take. I believe this might be Gordon Ramsay's favourite film, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Please tell because me. Because the structure of this film <laughs> is essentially an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. Right? It is. Oh, my God, it totally is. <laughs> so there's a business that's not doing too well. They bring in... <laughs> A real expert in this in this film, it's Patrick Swayze. In real life, it would be Gordon Ramsay. From there, he has an observation night where he looks at the shit show that this business <laughs> is performing <laughs> under usual circumstances. Then he comes in and he starts ringing the changes. At first, the staff are resistant to it. He gets rid of a couple of bad eggs, right? <laughs> There's some teething problems with the locals who like the business how it was previously. Uh. There's then obviously a load of bloodshed and swearing death murder but ultimately everyone understands that gordon is right and the business improves exponentially and that is the plot of roadhouse oh my god that is exactly what it is who would have known that to turn around the endeavors of a business it would take a lead bouncer that's what's going to change 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 the fortunes of a failing bar but it's like it's proper it's a proper dive bar, isn't it? Like he walks through on that foot when he's checking yeah. it out, and the stage is surrounded by a fence because of all the bottles of, of bottles of beer getting chucked at them. The oh. poor blind dude, who's the lead yeah. singer of this band, just full of like low lives and like bikers. Terry Funk's on the door. Yeah, all the like incidental side dialogue when he's walking through is just so funny. So look at a man, Mister. What you do? He's just yeah. walking through. People are fighting over absolutely everything. <laughs> There's drugs being dealt in the middle of the floor. By the staff. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a bright night spot as well, isn't it? Like It's like house lights are on the whole yeah. time. It's very strange. It's uh, But Paul Tillman, he's like got this bar and he's like gutted at how he's, how he's just turned into this absolute shithole. And there's a bit where he, he sees on the... On the wall, someone's graffitied um, for a great fuck call five by five two four nine whatever, it is. and he just like gets a little pen and turns the F into a B and adds an I, so it says for a great Buick. <laughs> oh, it's just oh god, it's just so funny. It's very busy though. At least it's a, a it is, yeah, it's got good good, good footfall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, great Swayze footfall. comes in and he's having a coffee at the side of the bar and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's issues here. He's got his Ramsey hat on. He's having a look around. He's like, yeah, it's an absolute shit show, but there's potential here. There's potential here that I can work with once I put my bouncing philosophy in place. 
I didn't clock that, but that is exactly what it is. Do you think, like, the, yeah, the, the guy who invented Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares was like... He loves it. He's got a roadhouse poster in his office, definitely. The, the, the pitch just opened up, like, you know, he's tiptoe. Is it Endemol who do uh, Gordon Kitchen yeah. He's like, okay, guys. Have you seen the film Roadhouse? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's, and then Ramsey's like, yes! Yes! <laughs> Did I tell you that my middle name is Dalton? Gordon Dalton Ramsey. Damn. His first child is called Wade Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but yeah, this, this bar, like, we've mentioned it briefly, but this is the point in my notes where I put, oh my God, there is an obscene amount of cleavage in this movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's just, it's ridiculous. And then there's a guy. So this is where we sort of get a, a, an idea of uh, Dalton and how handy he is. Um, yeah. There's a, 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 some guy is groping a, uh, groping a woman, is obviously. Her, her fella basically says, oh, give me $20 and I'll let you kiss my girlfriend's boobies. Um, <sighs> and then he's just feeling <laughs> up with it. And then he's just like, it's funny because I haven't got twenty dollars, and then it just kicks off into a just massive bar fight. <laughs> Everyone fights, and it's like Jesus Christ. And that's the point where he's like, "I'm gonna. Mm. This is this is for me. This job's for me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna clean this place up. Exactly. I'm gonna stamp my authority on this. In that barroom brawl, I did enjoy the fact that um, old school wrestling legend Terry Funk did put one of the patrons through a table. Just a shame that that <laughs> table wasn't on fire. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's essentially the movie, isn't it? It's just a sort of escalating barrage of barroom fights. It is. Yeah, it is. And so he goes to this town. Did they ever name the town? I don't know where. where I haven't written it down if they did. It's like a a, a deep south backwater, isn't it? That's. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit rough. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Um, Yeah, he comes to the bar to like give a seminar on how to. the rules of being a good bouncer yeah. and then sort of lays down the rules for the for the staff and how to behave with the rowdy patrons and can you remember the three rules simon i know one of them was definitely taking outside no fighting inside unless yeah. absolutely necessary yeah so that was rule number two the first rule was always expect the unexpected oh, so even though you're going into a situation not wanting it to kick off you're fully prepared that it will kick off yeah, <laughs> I mean, from that first night in the bar, I fully expect it to kick off, and I fully yeah. expect loads of knives as well. So, <laughs> like, exactly. So we've got that. Expect the unexpected. Um, take, take it, it outside. outside. Don't start anything in the bar unless absolutely necessary. And the third and most important rule: don't wear a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Practice uh, tai chi shirtless in, yes. outside of a barn that you've rented from a. Bearded farmer. Regularly. Rob, <laughs> uh, well, sorry, what was the third one again? Be nice. Be nice. Uh, wow. That's that's lovely, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah. How successful is Dalton at applying these rules throughout the course of the well, film, would you say? Considering about 90% of the fights happen in the bar, uh, <laughs> the whole take it outside thing doesn't really pan out well for him. Although he doesn't really start the fights inside, so I guess that's his excuse. But... Um, but yeah, it certainly does not come into effect, the fight, keep it outside thing. Yeah. So this was the part where you finally see him kick some ass. Not not in the first bit, he just lets it all unfold in the first bit, doesn't he? Yeah. And then there's a guy in a Hawaiian shirt, again with a knife. Of course he's got a knife. <laughs> it's a very knifey movie. This. It's just such a knifey movie. <laughs> uh, 
He starts on one of the bouncers, doesn't he? And then Dalton comes and sort him out and just absolutely nails him with ease. Yeah, yeah. And just completely floors him. And everyone's in love with Dalton. The women want to be with him. Yeah. All the men want to be with him as well, or be him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. what? everyone's in thrall to this guy. And yeah, he's he's put he's getting his feet under the table. And what he notices is, and I don't think this is in his remit as head cooler of the bar. He's in charge of security in terms of the patrons. But he sees that uh, an employee is skimming off the top of the register, isn't he? Yes. And uh, he, he fires him. And I don't believe he has the authority to no. do that. And this creates a shitstorm <laughs> that he could, that he never thought, that sets in motion every all the carnage that happens in this movie. I mean, in a re- if this was set in England, what would have happened? Would there be, there'd be a HR meeting about whether he had the authority <laughs> to sack him? Uh, there'll be a bit of a tribunal and the barman would probably get his job back. <laughs> because it's as a result of this. This barman happens to be related to the baddie of the movie, um, who is uh, Brad, Brad Wesley, Wesley, played by Ben Gazzara. And he's sort of like the ruler of this backwater town, isn't it? Like all the businesses are indebted to him and he sort yeah. of skims off the top of those. And this bartender who's been skimming off the top at the double deuce, I can't say that with a straight face, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, um, is his nephew. And this kicks off all of the violence that yeah. will follow. So Dalton comes back into work the following day and there's some heavies in Tillman's office saying that this fella needs to get his job back. Yeah, and it all kicks off in there, doesn't it? And it's like... He destroys uh, Tillman's office. <laughs> he's like a mafia dude, isn't he? Yeah. But this is where the Western comparisons are really good. He's like someone who like, thinks he rules the town. Like Gene Hackman did in um, The Crook in the Dead. Yeah. Um. So it's very much a Western trope, isn't it? This like... Very much so, yeah. This cocky powerful dude with a bunch of goons who basically bully their way through the town and taking all the all the profits from these businesses just these local businesses yeah so that western comparison is really spot on i think when it gets into the main crux of the story which is dalton's gone on the wrong side of the wrong people basically and he's he's in bad books and they're just gonna be twats to him until to try and run him out of town basically aren't they and then after they, there's a bit of dust up in the office, isn't it? Pu- probably <laughs> bit of a dust up. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think Tillman gets battered as well, doesn't he? Everyone gets Everybody battered. Gets it's just a matter again, just the constant. Do these people not get injured? Are they not like? Oh, can we not just like? Can we just have a conversation? Do we have to punch each other? Can we just have a chat first? <laughs> well, it escalates even further than that, doesn't it? Because uh, Dalton and like the preppy-looking henchman go through Tillman's office window, and this yeah. is where he gets his. Basically, his entire rib cage flies open, and he has oh. to go to the hospital. Uh, oh yes, and carry his medical records. Um, <laughs> and this is where we meet his love interest, who is on the IMDb is known solely as Doc. But I managed to pick up her actual character name. Did you catch that, sir? No, because I only heard him refer to her once, and he did call her Doc in it. So, what, <laughs> what was her actual name? Doctor Elizabeth Clay, played well, by Kelly Lynch. Kelly, and Lynch. she's uh, stitching him up. And she gives him gives us his whole backstory because apparently he carries his medical records around with him <laughs> like you do. Well, you know, you can never be too careful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is the love interest uh, into it, isn't it? Because there's there's someone in the bar who's like shows a bit of interest in him, but he, he's uh, she's a bit. He's not into her. Yeah, he's not yeah. into that. He likes a well-educated lady, and this is yeah, her. yeah. 
um, Kelly Lynch character comes in. What was her name again? Doctor Elizabeth. Elizabeth Clay, but she is just referred to as Doc throughout most of the movie. So I think we're all right. We're on solid ground there. And thankfully, uh, her shirt is buttoned up. There's no yeah. gratuitous yeah. <laughs> on show of the uh, of not the yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. Oh, jeez. And then when you think, oh, they've actually sort of, uh, you know, they've toned down the the nudity. Nope. There's straight away boobs, more boobs come in. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, That's Joel Silver in the edit. That we haven't had any boobies for ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, he hasn't got for ten years. Um, <laughs> and so obviously there's more boobs on show. It's just an obscene amount. Um, and this is where we're in- introduced to another bloody Chicago town deep dish. Oh my god, Sam Elliott is in this movie. He is. I know. Oh my. God, how handsome is he in this film? It was at this moment that I realised that Bradley Cooper casting Sam Elliott as his older brother in A Star Is Born was yeah. absolutely spot on casting. Because yeah. as a younger man, he looked like a more grizzled version of, yeah. of Bradley Cooper. He's an absolute dreamboat. In this he really movie. is. He's gorgeous hair and he's got that yeah. like five o'clock shadow you could strike a match on. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a total dish in this. And he's... He's basically uh, he was uh, Dalton's mentor, wasn't he? Back yes. in the day, that's how they know each other. And it's all sort of calms down at the double deuce now, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Now, Do- after a few weeks of Ramsey being in charge, <laughs> he's really he's really cleaned things up, and everything's really like the the fence has gone down in front of the stage. The band can play. The band yeah, are yeah. great in this, by yeah. the way. The, the, uh, and that's a Jeff Healy. The uh, it's Jeff Healy plays the lead singer, and he has a band creatively called the Jeff Healy Band. And he nice. is a real blind guitarist and and uh, and singer. singer. And really yeah. good. Like, all the songs in it are great, aren't they? Like from the bands. And then there's a bit where one of the barmaids sings as well. And um, Everyone's just having a good old time with the double deuce. It's become the hot spot in town again. Yeah, they've shipped in some yuppies from somewhere. I don't know where they've come yeah, from. Yeah, yuppies have come in to have a little dance. Um, and then it's all ruined by another guy with a knife. <laughs> More guys with knives. But this Is this time, the guy with the toe knife? Because yes. This one, yeah. It's in his shoe. So he walks in. Shoe knife. No, no one even kicks off. He just comes in. Is is this one of um, Wesley's dudes? Is uh, goons? Is this one of Wesley's goons? Is that yeah? Is that why he comes in to start a ruckus? Yeah, he's been sent over to basically Ben Gazir has just went over there and go, go over there, fuck shit up. Right, that's what we want. I don't even under. This can't all be over the fact that his nephew got sacked from this <laughs> job. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just so petty the whole thing. Uh, just a bar job. I think he sacked him with good reason as well. He was skimming yeah. from the bar from the from the cash register. Yeah, I think that's pretty. That's a sackable offence. Yeah. But no, um, Ben Gazzara is not having that, and he's decided that he's going to destroy the double deuce and the rest of the town. Essentially, he's just, not messing about. Yeah. Swayze obviously batters this guy with a knife in his shoe. The one time they actually managed to take it outside. Yes, that is the one time. <laughs> yeah, it is outside because um, the doc because Doc comes, doesn't she? And she just yeah, catches yeah. him kicking ass, and she's like, "Ooh, yeah, I like I like this guy because he's he can handle himself, and he looks saucy while he's doing it." Yeah, well. And he's got a philosophy degree as well, which we learned while she was stitching him up. Even though he never says anything remotely ph- philosophical. Well, philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've got the three rules of being a bouncer, James. Be nice. Uh, that's a good. That's very philosophical. Yeah, that gay cart. <laughs> I think, therefore, I am gay cart. I hope I've said that. But next to it, be nice, Dalton. <laughs> Dalton. 
<laughs> the real sage of the modern era. <laughs> Uh, he's so <laughs> so obviously uh, Dalton's like proving to be a bit more of a pest than Wesley likes really isn't he so he yeah. uh, he gets brought over to see Wesley and he, he lets Dalton know that he knows a bit about him and how he, he killed someone in Tennessee yeah, so yeah. he's kind of got something over him he's a bad motherfucker oh yeah um, <laughs> there was one thing I was so confused about in this so where uh I was about to say, where Roadhouse is living. Why is it even called Roadhouse? I don't know. <laughs> Why is it called Roadhouse? <laughs> that must be what that type of bar type is called. Type of bar is called. Yes, yeah. of course. That would make sense. Um, yeah. But the thing is, right, the problem that there's, I think these types of establishments just attract the wrong element. And that's the problem. <laughs> it's just part of the business model. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's either it's either really crummy emo bands who try to take virgins uh, to sacrifice them, or just bikers who like to have fights, or as in the aforementioned from Dust Till Dawn, vampires. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just not the great it's line of business to be in if you don't want any trouble. No, <laughs> just go to a TGI Fridays. So you don't need exactly. to go to one of these places. Um, and <laughs> um, so yeah, that when uh, we we get to see where. Uh, Dalton is living because he he takes uh, Doc back for some sweet sweet loving, Oof. and then um uh it, they're all in this sort of like triangle where they can all see each other. So he's like can see where where Wesley lives just across yeah. the lake, and then there's like this other little cabin to to the left of him, and then there's a the bar's not far, away. and it's like they're all in this weird little quadrant, aren't they? Where they yeah, it's like just... the size of a football pitch. The whole yeah, thing. <laughs> and. Just uh, buddy Brad Wesley being a seedy man is just on his little veranda, just watching the filth unfold from across the lake of between yeah. Dalton and, and Doc. Between two incredibly good-looking uh, people, and yes. apparently um, Kelly Lynch, who plays Doc, is married to the screenwriter Mitch Glazer, who is good friends with the aforementioned Bill Murray. And apparently, <laughs> every time Bill Murray sees Roadhouse on television. He rings up Mitch Glazer and tells her tells him that uh, Kelly Lynch is having sex with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> uh, if he sees that in his TV guide, like, oh for God's sake! <laughs> I hope he's out or out of the country. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so after this, this is where um, Sam Elliott's Wade Garrett comes to town to sort of help him out, doesn't he? Because yeah, because he needs it, a bit of he needs a bit of backup. The heat's yeah. cranking up on Dalton now. <laughs> so he comes just in the nick of time because uh, Dalton's getting he's getting ironed out behind the double deuce, isn't he? <laughs> he's getting to six on one. He's getting absolutely roughed up. Just put jabs to yeah. his gorgeous six pack. I bet he's. Ten- <laughs> I bet he can't feel that though. I bet he's tensing pretty good. He even looks fit when he's getting battered. <laughs> yeah. He's so sweaty in this movie, isn't he? It's oh, yeah. just, God, very shiny. Um, and then, yeah, uh, and then Wade comes to his r- rescue. And I don't know if it's the first one, but again, as abundant as the knives are, a lot of nut shots. There's a yeah. lot of nut Good. shots. And this is, uh, yeah, Wade Garrett, just no holds barred, just Johnny Caging motherfuckers. <laughs> just oh, right yeah, in the loves it, yeah. yeah, and taking out knees, that's one of their um, their go-to moves as well Dalton says that no matter how big the guy is you hit him in the knee you'll go down like a uh, like a tree or something yeah. words to that effect and uh, Pr- Wade probably, does that probably as good as that 
jokes. <laughs> so the way they scrape straight off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Wade's go-to move. So you know, right? Okay, so Dalton is Wade's protege, mm, so to yeah. speak. And they have a they have a lovely relationship. Uh, and after they've battered these guys at the loading dock at the back of the double deuce, they go out day drinking all day. Yes. It then just kicks off again, doesn't it? There's just it's, just it's just non-stop kicking off then. He's got problems, Brad Wesley. He needs to chill out a bit. <laughs> just... He does. He starts up in it, doesn't he? He's been bullying uh, Red, the mechanic, whose shop is across yeah. from the double deuce. He's um, Doc's uncle, apparently. And yeah, it's it's all just getting way, way out of hand over some shit weasel getting getting fired at this dive bar. Yeah, this dive all bar. Because he, um, he blows up the garage, doesn't he? Like, Red's garage gets yeah, yeah. blown up after he's been, like, abused by Wesley and his cronies for a while, and then they just crank it up and blow it up. He's, that's his livelihood. He's got yeah. no job now. <laughs> he, exactly. he didn't do anything. He didn't beat up your goons. All he was doing was not paying you because you didn't don't deserve it. What have you done? Yeah. Um. We're we're back in the double deuce, aren't we? And it's like Dalton and all his mates. So all the bouncers for the bar, and we've got um Sam Elliott's there, and thing he's in it as well. But all of his bloody scenes got cut. Um. Keith David. Yeah, yeah. And he's part of this group as well, because apparently one of the deleted scenes is he has a, he, he's in the bar and he gets into a dust up with some douchebags and Dalton sees <laughs> it and he wasn't in the wrong, but he can handle himself, so he gives him a job on the bar. Yeah. And yeah, oh it's such a shame Keith David's not in it as much as as he should be. He has got a couple of lines. No, because his name is at the start is in the opening credits. Yeah. Like as one of the main actors. But then literally all he does in the movie, because his part's been cut down so much, is is serve somebody a drink. That is literally yeah. all it did. And I'm like, yeah. is that barman Keith David? Yeah, <laughs> like... so weird. I recognise him from his voice, because I think he's actually out of focus in the background. <laughs> it's like, is that Keith David? But he'd done the dirty on him. That's so schnide. He must have been fuming. Imagine when he yeah. turned up to the premiere. Oh, God, absolutely livid. I think he's the only black man in it as well. Like, Jesus Christ, give, let him, give him some fucking screen time. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, they're, they're in the double deuce, and um, this blonde woman who pops up a bit, who's yeah. clearly got her eye on Dalton. I mean, who doesn't have their eye on Dalton? I don't I'd know everybody else. Dalton, if I was in that bar. <laughs> I'd do a, a, a jaunty striptease for him as well. Jaunty? She just, like, she's treating it like a, a, like a strip club, and she's yeah. just... So I was like, what is this? No shame. Um, yeah. Jeff Healy, bit out of order here. He just strums up the band as well. Like, yeah. he's egging her on, encouraging it. He tries to like, cop a feel as well. sort of establishment, this. Yeah. Yeah, he tries to cop a feel, but being being blind, he misses. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was very mean, but uh, funny. Um, yeah, and then it, it just kicks off again, doesn't it? So... Uh, Dalton's had enough of it. the 18th barroom brawl. He's like, I've had enough of it. You're just making a show. You know, get off. Put your top back on. Yeah. And then this is kind of where we're properly introduced to Wesley's sort of main goon. Yeah. He's called Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Played by uh, Marshall Arteague, who just owns some fools with a a pool cue, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Oh my God, this guy's pretty hard. Yeah, he's a real adversary. You can tell there's going to be something going down between him and... uh, Oh yeah, without a doubt. Him and Dalton sometime in the near future. And then we just get another uh, instance of Wesley being an absolute prick where 
his, his mates in the big monster truck just for no reason destroy the local car dealership. Just... Yeah. So I think his idea is that he's told Dalton to piss off, basically. And if he doesn't, he's going to start destroying all the local businesses. It's like, one, Dalton's getting paid an absolute packet to do this job. Right? Yeah, he he's care. only paying $100 a month. Uh, rent to this guy in this lovely little barn conversion that he's staying in. He's got it made. Yeah. He's got no loyalty to these people, and he's not going to be run out of town by a little weasel like uh, like Brad Wesley. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, smash up their businesses. Uh, he does care a bit, in fairness to him, but he's got no skin in the game. Where are the police in this situation? Oh, because it's a lawless, the, lawless. The, these is. guys are getting away with some absolute. Atrocity! What are they? How are they getting away with this? Like the blowing up garages, the uh, yeah, running over, running through car dealerships with monster yeah. trucks, causing all sorts of knife-based fights at bars yeah. every night. Where's the law and order? It's <laughs> not a nice place to live. Not a nice place <laughs> no, to live. I would not. Uh, I mean, I would quite find going to the. Um, Going to the Double Deuce quite novel, but I would be very much at the bar just watching everyone kick off. I'm not getting involved in that shit. With a stab vest on under. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the music. Definitely have a stab vest on because everyone's got a knife, apparently. Talk to Keith David because no one else is talking to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'd be doing. And yeah, so he's just gone real out of hand here, isn't it? So it the guy who was rented out the place for Dalton. His yeah. house gets blown up, doesn't I it? I know. Blow up Dalton's yeah, house. He's inside it. <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, is this Emmett? He's called Emmett. His yeah, house yeah. gets blown. Thankfully, he's not dead. Um, Dal- no. I keep coming to call him Roadhouse. I'm going to call him Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton Roadhouse. <laughs> Dalton Roadhouse goes to save him and then gives chase to uh, Jimmy, who tries to get off on a scrambler. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's topless at this point, yeah. uh, Dalton. And I don't think he has a top on now for the rest of the movie. I think that's it. No, um, no, because the shirt that he wears for the final SmackDown can barely be. It's like a, it's like a, a low cut pirate shirt that he wears for the uh, for the finale of the movie. What are they called? Like the the suit that you know the outfits they wear for karate. It's like that, but a yeah. shirt, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Those what those like proper they've got a name I don't know what they're called um, actual karate gowns that's not the official karate name. robes karate <laughs> robes but that's what it looks like this that's what his shirt looks like where it's just just open and you can see everything yeah. is made of pure silk though six six pack <laughs> so this is the fucking dust off between Jimmy and Dalton we've been waiting for for ages yeah. well not for ages probably about 10 minutes because it all comes quite <laughs> thick and fast this last it's, it's on for two hours isn't it I but, can't believe how thin the story of this and yeah. how long the movie is for well, two I was, hours I looked at like this little synopsis on IMDB and it is literally this bloke goes to a place and tries to sort this bar out right and then i went oh this will be a little 90 minute romp it's nearly two hours long yeah i was expecting 90 minutes i think it's one hour 54 i was like bloody hell overkill it's roadhouse lads <laughs> did go pretty fast though so as mr roger ebert says it's not a boring movie there are no, no there are no low not. points yeah they have a fight in the under the, the twilight moon and un, in dust don't they yeah and, uh, by the lake um, and it gets pretty rough. Like there's it does. A lot it's of... a really well choreographed fight scene. Actually. Yeah, it's a it's a really good. And it, it, this whole scene for me feels like it's from a different 
movie like a like a Van Damme film or like a yeah it does yeah martial arts type movie because he's quite dandy with his kickboxing isn't he Swayze yeah, he, he throws absolutely. a lot of roundhouse kicks in and you know he's pretty bloody good <laughs> like but for someone who isn't an action star at this point as well like um, you know he can't he's uh, disappointment with this no roundhouse kicks to the head no jumping spinning roundhouse kicks a la the muscles from Brussels they're more to the midriff Really, yeah, like, yeah, right in the bread yeah. basket. Um, but you know, he's not a he's not a trained martial artist like Jean Claude, so we'll let him off that. But yeah, it gets super brutal this fight. It's really well shot and crunchy, and it and is. yes, um, it, it's got an ebb and flow to it. Like Dalton's got the upper hand, and then the henchman has the upper hand. Uh, we get this beautiful line. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that line on Happy Gilmore where he says, hey, pieces of shit like you for breakfast. It is, you yeah, eat pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> just, just bizarre. Just so Dalton bizarre. says, I'm, I'm not having any of this. I mean, it's just, it's just offensive that, so I'm going to rip your throat out and throw you in a lake, which he does. Yeah, it, there was like a rumour going around, wasn't there? They were like, oh, I heard that he ripped someone's throat out. And it's like, well, no, he's not capable of this. Look at him. He's, yeah, yeah. he's, a, he's a tiny man. No, he is very much capable of it. And he rips this guy's throat out. Um, after being... He, he takes one from a log, doesn't he? And he does, think, yeah. Uh, he actually like bruised the broken two ribs, I think, from that stunt. Like, Because he, he did most of his own stunts in the film, didn't he? He like, did, yeah, yeah. Proper... And as we briefly touched on before, he was supposed to be in Tango and Cash, couldn't do it because of his injuries. Yeah. He was supposed to be in Predator 2 as well, couldn't yeah. do that because of his injuries. And then, yeah, he went, went to do Ghost because it was there was no fighting in Ghost. <laughs> no fighting in Ghost. <laughs> well, no big fight. I think he fights yeah. at the start, doesn't he, when he dies? He fights but, a ghost um, at one point. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, he, he deserves a lot of... Uh, a lot of credit for doing his own stuff. He took it very seriously, hasn't he? Yeah. Like he has uh, took he's it really committed to trying to invent himself as a uh, as a hard case here, and he's pretty convincing for the most part. He is. He's really good. Um, so he he he's pulled out Jimmy's throat. Yeah, which is quite fucking disgusting. <laughs> Graphic. Yeah. It's really really disgusting. And then Doc's on the screen, and she's suddenly. Uh, remembered a Hippocratic Oath and she's like, oh, this is too much for me. I yeah, mean, it was all right when you were just battering people outside the double booth, but yeah, now but, we're talking about murder. Bit, it doesn't go to the yeah, cops, like. Bit but... too much, yeah, bit too much. And because of this weird, like, quadrant where they live, he shouts for Wesley over the lake and he's like, Wesley! Very Stallone <laughs> in that yeah, moment. And, and, and just makes this, just chucks Jimmy in the lake and he's just floating with, oh, God, it's, but, whew. <laughs> It's just, God, it's just disgraceful. And then we get the sort of final bit, don't we? So Wesley's, you know, after he's killed Jimmy, Wesley gets his revenge by getting his goons to batter poor Wade, who uh, gets to the bar. And you're like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, thank God he's not dead. You know, he's he's at the bar. Dalton goes goes out to, to sort of get Wesley. But in the meantime, he then gets back to the bar and someone has bloody... Has finished off Wade. He's got a fucking knife in his back with a note. Yeah, it turns out that um, Wesley's done a done a bit of a Joker in the Dark Knight on him, and said basically you've got a choice between uh, Doc and your mate 
Wade Garrett, I'm going to flip a coin, whoever it lands on, they're going to die. And he comes yeah. back, and so he goes rushing around to make sure that Doc's okay, she's yes, okay. Yes, that's what he does. Yeah, gets yeah. back to the bar, and poor old Wade Garrett's lying on the bar, still looking a million dollars, but he's unfortunately he is, had a yeah. knife shoved in his sternum, and he's dead as anything. Again, uh, good good shout there, James. Chris Nolan, main inspirations for the film The Dark Knight. Uh, have you guys seen Roadhouse? <laughs> <laughs> this is a moment in Roadhouse where, <laughs> where Dalton is given the proposition of saving the woman he loves or his best friend. <laughs> it just really feeds into the, the chaos of uh, the Joker. Never done a Chris Nolan before. I've got no idea if no, that's any good or not. He's just like a, 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 a posh Londoner, isn't he? Let me put a cravat on. <laughs> Oh, just get some sort of floppy quiff going on. Um, so yeah, Dalton's like, okay, that, I've I've had enough of this shit. So he heads. He to goes Wesley's, full commando, doesn't he? Yeah, full commando. Heads to Wesley's mansion <laughs> to kick some ass. He sets off his Mercedes, doesn't he? And, yeah, yeah. And going full pelt at the, at the great house. stunts and explosions in this movie. Really, really good. good. I like you know did the old like um, the sort of forty five degree ramp where it goes up yeah, and spins yeah. as it flies over a hedge and then. Get shot by a shotgun and explode. <laughs> yeah, like, yes. lovely. Yeah. <laughs> but like when um, when Red's me- uh, mechanic shop goes up, that's a really yeah. satisfying practical explosion, and the monster truck going through the car showroom. That's all yeah. done for real as well. Like all in broad daylight as well. Lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, that monster truck was massive. <laughs> um, yeah, he has a, a knife again. A knife fight, obviously. The knife fight drops two dudes. Yeah, uh, two of the two of the henchmen. So what? He's killed quite a few people by this point. Uh, old Dalton, <laughs> um, he's racking up his his murder count. He is, and then uh, kill. He, he crushes the fat dude with a polar bear. <laughs> yeah, we're not making this up. <laughs> like there's a trophy room filled with stuffed with stuffed animals that um, Wesley has shot out and about. He probably hasn't even done it. Probably got someone to do it, and then it's been shipped over. He's that yeah. sort of little shit weasel. And then him and Dalton have a fight, basically. Yeah, so he he manages to shoot him while he's like mid-roundhouse kick, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. So Dalton gets shot in the shoulder and Wesley gets booted over a sofa, which was really satisfying. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the camera's like really high angle and he just sort of you're like Jared Butler does in 300 when he just boots that guy into the <laughs> yes. well. He just proper like this is Sparta's him over a sofa. <laughs> it's really satisfying. <laughs> There's this proper shit weasel, and he falls so like crappily over the sofa as well, like he's absolutely useless. This little shit back, and he's like, falls over. So he's a real Mister Burns, isn't he? Oh yeah. (laughs) And he's got a chance to to do his old throat pull, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You you see, he gets little his little claw ready to rip out his throat, which he is is a bit demonic and weird, but then. He resists. Because he realises that if he does that again, then Kelly Lynch is probably not going to give him any sugar yes. in the near he's future. In, he's in Last Chance Saloon. <laughs> yeah. I would say the police as well, but it appears there's no police in this town. They don't, they don't care. Yeah. I re- really love this ending. And then all the people who screwed, who Wesley screwed over, so you got yeah. Red, Emmett, and the guy who's in the car dealership all yeah. come and just shoot him. Shoot him. <laughs> Just blow him away. Yeah. If they'd have just done this in the first place, right, then the law eventually arrives, like the sheriff. He's just like, oh, what's gone on here? 
Like, I mean, it's so <laughs> obvious. Where have mate, you been yeah. for the last two weeks, mate? Where have you been? He's been on vacation because, like, that's it. Oh, it'll take care of itself for ten days. I need to get away. It comes back and the red mechanics has been blown up. The car showroom has got a monster truck sat in the middle of it with a load of crushed cars. <laughs> and now he comes to Brad Wesley's house to see what's going on, and he's inside a coffee table, having been shot to death. Yeah, but nobody's seen anything. No, even Tubbs under the polar bear, who I was certain was dead. I thought he'd been I killed. I thought he was dead as well, yeah. But and he, then he got um, up and he was fine. And he said he yeah. didn't see anything. I got crushed by a polar bear. And then they all have a little <laughs> laugh, don't they? Uh, and then we're back to the double deuce for a final performance of the Jeff Healy band, intercut with um, Dalton and Doc necking in the lake. Everyone's happy. Superb. Oh, yes, Credits. of course. They go skinny dipping in the lake, aren't they? You, know, you have to get some more nudity over the, the, the credits. <laughs> From a Joel Silver production, yeah, um, yeah, end credit. It's another one of those where it's just bang. There's the done, end done. Well, we say done, and two hours later, <laughs> it's just relentless, isn't it? Yeah, never stops. Yeah, the chaos has finished. Uh, what was your favourite bit? Uh, favourite bit. So there's so many random bits in this movie. I mean, we only touched on the day drinking with Sam Elliott, but there's a bit where they've been out all night and um, they want to go dancing, so they go to a diner. And they're like oh, six yeah. in the morning after a night of boozing and uh, Sam Elliott is dancing with Doc and basically just all the patrons are there just having their their pancakes and stuff like that, watching these absolute nutcases dance around in this, <laughs> this little <laughs> breakfast diner. Uh, but yeah, my actual favourite moment is just Wesley being sent to Squib City by the disgruntled yeah. town folk. Like, he gets... Like, everyone is a massive Paul Verhoeven-style squib explosion mm. with every shotgun blast. And then he goes through a coffee, a glass coffee table, which is always enjoyable. Yeah. I, lo- I love that bit. I just loved how it was the people of the town who got screwed over who did it. Who, like, yeah, yeah. Give he eventually grew a pair after Dalton's yeah. taken out his whole organisation. Quick, we'll yeah. run in now, lads. <laughs> and, you know, gives Wesley his, his comeuppance. And, yeah, I really like I thought that was a really good... Good, good way to end it. Actually, um, my favourite bit, well, you could pick any one of the eight hundred and twenty-five barroom brawls that happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just yeah, and they were all so satisfying as well. Like the punches, you know, with the classic sound effect, wet pillow on a concrete, whoop, <laughs> and all the sound effects are just brilliant. And they're so over the top, which was clearly the intention, wasn't it? it? Is, I think yeah. the, I think Rowdy Harrington said, like, you know, he was going for a Keystone Cops type thing. Like, it's a farce, what's happening. Like, yeah. It's just so over the top. And Absolute chaos. Yeah. Just just all chaos. It just carries on and grows and grows and grows and grows into this 50-strong barroom brawl with bottles going over people's heads and people getting smacked with pool cues. And this happens about 20 times. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that's funny. But... um. Yeah, my favourite bit, mainly because I just did not expect it at all, was when he rips out Jimmy's throat. It was just, I was just like, whoa! Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I did not expect that whatsoever. Um, and yeah, it just felt like it was from a completely different film, like a Bloodsport or a Kickboxer yeah. or something like that. I was just like, Jesus, <laughs> this is Swayze's dark. <laughs> No, that fantastic moment. Fantastic moment. So many, yeah. so As you say, moments. not in keeping with the rough and tumble of the rest of the barroom brawls, but <laughs> very, uh, yeah. uh, certainly left an impression. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, um, 
reconsideration, James. Do, do would you reconsider this? Right. So I think what is uh, what's important to stress is it is an overlong relic of its era for sure. Yes. But I can't deny that I had a tremendous amount of fun with this and would class it as a key text for folks who's who enjoy dumb eighties action movies. So folks like us. us um, yes. <laughs> Why isn't Rob here? This is exactly his. Oh, sort I know. Of movie. I can't wait to get his take on that. <laughs> On this movie. I mean, it looks great thanks to Dean Cundy's crisp cinematography. The mayhem is well staged for the most part and the cast seem to be really enjoying themselves, which I think is key with this kind of material. Mm. Uh, Enjoyment of this film will ultimately depend on your tolerance for unchecked testosterone, shirtless Tai Chi and country-based fart rock. (laughs) But if you can get on board with all that, you'll have a lovely old time. And it's certainly worth a look Definitely, I would say. But Simon, uh, I wanted to put a question to you just before you put whether you're doing it for reconsideration or not. This might just be testament to how much Rob has warped my film critiquing during (laughs) the course of this podcast. But as soon as this movie ended, I thought, 15 minutes shorter and with a certain Belgian action superstar in in the lead role... Would this make that a better movie? And I think it would, you know. Yes. And it's roundhouses to the face. I think Swayze is fine. Not dissing Swayze. Love Point Break. He's Bodie after all. But I just thought, Van Damme would have nailed this role. (laughs) I think all the bits where they mention how small he is. Yeah. um, Loads of of characters say it like, oh, you're a lot smaller than I would imagine. Yeah. That must have been put in because yes, it was Swayze. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he is a quite a, a, a smallish dude, isn't he? Like In comparison to Schwarzenegger's and Stallone. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, he's toned and toned to fuck and he's... Yeah, he'd batter us yeah, too. Ripped to shit and he would batter us too. <laughs> but yeah, he, he you see him up against a lot of people in the film and he's a lot smaller than a lot of the people in the film. And, you know, I know Van Damme's not like a six foot five no. dude, but... He's a bit of a unit though. He's got a bit more of a physical presence on it than Swayze. Um it does feel like a hard target before hard target. Yeah. Does, yeah. So yeah, it would yeah, um Van Damme definitely would suit this film. Uh, yeah, great. But I think it's true it is because of Rob's uh, influence <laughs> on his I've just imagined him Van Damme in the that black shirt and and crisp cream chinos when he's beating those people up outside the dead yeah. <laughs> outside the double deuce. The only thing I would say, and Rob will probably find great offence in this, but I'm going to say because he's not here to defend it. <laughs> I do think Swayze has a better mullet than uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme does in Hard Target. We'll put that out on the Twitters when this episode drops. I think we've got to put, throw that out to the public who's got the better mullet. Whose is the better mullet? I'm kind of with you though, I think. It's yeah. certainly more oh. styled. It's more styled. Like, who had more hairspray, him or Kelly Lynch in this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, for me, reconsideration-wise, it's a true 80s retro slice of deep South Americana that is unintentionally, maybe is it intentionally hilarious. <laughs> uh, I... I don't think I've I've howled with laughter at any movie we've covered so far as much as I have at this film. Yeah. There were so many moments in this where I was dying of laughter because it was just so funny. The slapstick nature of the fights was just hilarious. Like, not even Seagal fights brought as much laughter and joy from, as, <laughs> that... as these ones. The brawls are abundant. The gratuitous nudity is 
absolutely obscene. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. And the clobber is outstanding throughout. The clothes are summer else. It's just a massive hoot and just a, such a good, such good fun to be had. And I think Ebert was totally spot on when he said, if you watch this with, you know, with that like ironic tinge, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is being a bit slapstick and it is being a bit stupid and he knows full well what he's doing and you, you're watching it in with that eye. You're going to have a good time with this. It's it's so much fun. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely reconsider this gem if you're after some hillbilly brawling and a shirtless Patrick Swayze. Because who who doesn't want those things? I think uh, everybody <laughs> does, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Particularly during the dark times that are 2020. <laughs> yeah. So next up, we have Rob's pick, which is the ridiculously titled The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot which is actually the second part of an unplanned Sam Elliott double bill that we've got going on here. So, uh, that's what, is Sam Elliott in that? Oh, yeah, he's the lead. What? Oh, Jesus Christ. I am so much more excited for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, definitely make God. sure to tune in for that. And I believe that film is streaming on Netflix currently, so you can check it out before that episode drops. Uh, as always, thank you to everyone for listening. And until we meet again, you can follow us on Twitter at FYRFilmPod. Drop us an email, reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And if you do enjoy what we do, please drop us a five-star review via Apple Podcasts. Yes. Say goodbye, Simon. See ya. Bye-bye. Roadhouse.